Greetings, nerds. This is Nina Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very, very well, Sarah. How are you doing? I am doing fine. Fine, 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 fine. Yes, yes. June is almost coming to an end. And we got I to- feel like this hiatus season is going to buy quicker than it did last year. It does feel that way. I don't know if seems that the shows are, I don't know if they end it later, maybe because Supergirl went late or something, or we, you know, we actually have, we're actually talking about a series uh, during the hiatus that's, you know, airing real time instead of re, you know, recapping a previous one, but uh, I agree, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the transition, and now Supergirl's over, so it's... Mm-hmm. It's not giving me, making me feel disoriented where I feel like it's still fall, spring TV. Airing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Supergirl season three. Yeah. <laughs> I have not watched the season finale. Oh, okay. But I know exactly what happens and I refuse to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a house cleaning, I'll tell you that. I don't get it, Will. I don't, like, the producers are like, oh, well, we always had plans for Chris Wood to leave after two seasons. And I'm like, so you changed the freaking plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or what was the point? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. It. Uh, you know, when I watched the finale, it was, you know, it, to me, it was one of those finales where the, the fight with with Rain at this point and Supergirl, I'm just like, I'm over it. We've seen this so many times and it, it, it's just so underwhelming at this point was, meh, James, you know, going public with himself being guardian. Um, it, you know, again, they telegraphed that like episodes ago and they talked about it episodes ago and they finally just right. did it. And so again, it was, to me, this was a finale that basically was a let's just close all, tie up all the loose ends, and uh, we're gonna overhaul half the cast, and we will just we'll see you in season four. Stupid, 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 stupid. <laughs> well, that's that's my very mature response to this. <laughs> well. <laughs> With with when with Jeremy Jordan leaving and, and, and Jesse Raff coming on board as Brainy, to me that was just a one for one swap. Okay, yeah, so fine, we can, yeah, fine. Yeah, that one fine. But Monel, John, like yeah, the John vital characters. Yeah, the the John one. I was I was mad. I I really, out out. It was happy for Alex far as you know becoming chief of the DEO but you know for him to just completely go away really really yeah it just really yeah I I don't know I I know a lot of folks were upset with the Supergirl finale um and 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 rightfully so uh their their fans true hardcore fans of that show well they deserve to be upset about what was that finale Right. I, and you know, you raise a very good point. Like, they telegraphed a lot of this stuff occurring, and that's why having this stuff actually occur in the season finale 
on top of having the quote unquote surprise departures occur, you're just like, that's way too much mm-hmm. because it's just, it's just very disorienting to be in a very telegraphed finale out of the blue spontaneity where you're like, well, I didn't see that one coming, even though it's stupid. Um, But if, if the whole plan was for James to come out as the guardian, there was this episode, which would have made that plot point so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. Had they allowed it to unfold in that episode, it would have been so much more so because this was just like, well, Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. Right. Great. Y'all talked about this, you know, what, two episodes ago, three episodes ago? Yeah, so, Great. yeah, it, it, yeah, it was a check by the numbers season finale, and check, you know, we'll just get the punch board out, and we're just going to check, 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 and then let's move on, as I yeah. said before. Monel, Monel's sacrifice, or Kara's sacrifice, however you want to interpret that, in the season two finale, was beautiful, mm-hmm. made perfect sense, perfect hero sacrifice moment. They should have never brought him back. Don't bring him back just yeah. to send him away again. It makes no freaking sense. Yeah. At least allow a season to grieve over that and everything. And also, if you're going to bring him back, keep him. Because keep him. those two have really good chemistry yeah. when they are not identical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I just... I don't understand it. I um... Well, and maybe that's part of it, too, is, you know, one of the things I did notice as I was watching season three, in particular, is you know, the Legion and, and Mon-El you know, manifest, has his powers manifested on Earth um, as a member of the Legion. It, it was beginning to dilute Supergirl. Yeah, I I just, there's something so great about season two that I feel like I went into season three hoping that when they did bring him back, they could recapture that energy mm-hmm. and and just that, that romantic comedy that's very Diana Prince, Steve Trevor mm-hmm. from Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And it just, it did not get recaptured. And it, it bums me out because that's one of the things that drew me into last season. And then to get this season, which I recall first half of the season was great. Yeah, it was. Beautiful. Ended like mid-season finale was one of the better mid-season finales that yep. we've had in a while. It was. And then I, the, the writers fell asleep. Production got delayed. And it always is going to go back to this. Writers you can go into a season with a plan, but if you're going to have a 23-episode season, you have to learn how to change the plans. Mm-hmm. Like, Arrow, Felicity Smoke is a great is a great byproduct of writers being feeling more free with what they're doing and being not feeling obligated to well we had we had this in mind so we're going to stick to that even though the viewers aren't really connecting that way. Yeah. No, you got to change your plan. Yeah. You have to be willing to do it, but they they were not or yeah, yeah, they just this seemed creatively they just put themselves in a the box and I think you know, to your point with Monel and, and, and Kara and their relationship, I think him going into the future and then coming back, they couldn't recapture that that magic because the dynamic in the relationship had changed. With him getting married and and everything, uh, it 
would have been better off if they had uh, left them, brought them back later, and, and maybe not do it um, immediately after his departure in season two. They should have just pushed it off to maybe season four. I mean, granted, no one's ever guaranteed future seasons, but maybe it would have been better shelved that or, or delayed that storyline for, for a season. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think there was just a lot of missed missteps this season towards the end, which it's funny over this weekend I watched I rewatched the movie Moneyball and they talk about like it doesn't matter how many wins in a season you get if you lose the last game that's all anybody remembers. Yep, yep. And that's what happened here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting to watch or follow shows in the Arrowverse. And to then go go um, away from the CW network and watch shows like Krypton and Cloak and Dagger, and there's such originality in yeah. these these new properties. Be and I was really thinking about it this past week, and it's because there's no villain of the week happening. Yes. <laughs> there's no like we have to set up the scenario and then and then have all of these other metaphors circling it and and try to move the character. No, it's just all about character. And yeah. that's why Cloak and Dagger just continues to upping the ante with how they're exploring Tandy and Tyrone and and their relationships around them mm-hmm. um let's talk about episode four yes let's get to it as, as so much stop so much happens again i love the change of the narrative they pick up right where episode three begins we need to talk then you are shown present day mm-hmm. where they've had this conversation and you're starting to notice some behavior changes. Mm-hmm. They are, they're interacting with people differently and everything goes back to that night when they have this long conversation and they, they call each other out and they're very honest and there's a lot of vulnerability happening, but this is just another good episode. Yes. Very solid episode. It's one of the, my initial reaction, at least with the story, the way they structured it. Um, you know, the first time I watched it, it, uh, I know Patricia's not with us this week, but I felt a little bit like her in that it was unpredictable. It was a little, at first, a little hard to follow, but once I got into it, then I realized what they were doing as far as, Sort of using the church as a, as a anchor and then building these other events that were happening contemporaneous to their conversation in the church to, to really flip again, just deepen these two characters and yeah. why they're going, you know, they're going, they're going to end up, you know, being the quote unquote superheroes that we, you, know, we, you anticipate when you have a, a, a show about Metas. Uh, they're not Metas. Well. <laughs> maybe, maybe, okay. Wrong universe. Wrong, wrong universe. Well, you know, I think the term metahuman has been cross, it, it goes across universes now. <laughs> they're, they're more gifted. Yeah, yeah. And well, even in gifted, they call them Metas. <laughs> Oh, it's been so long since we've talked about the gifted. Yeah. I've forgotten. Um, 
Duality. Yeah. So I think something that this episode really does so much better than even last week's episode is this this duality when we see them interact and mm-hmm. have this very drawn out conversation. You just you see the yin and you hear, I should say, the yin and yang effect of these two as everything Tyrone says it's it's very hopeful and it's very mm-hmm. almost positive like mm-hmm. and then Tandy's the exact opposite and I, I love that point where they're talking about their powers and explaining what it feels like and and Tyrone points out well well maybe there's a reason why we got what we got and Tandy's first reaction is like or maybe what we got and what we didn't get yeah. Like a very just like antagonistic almost approach very. to it. And yeah. and I just and I love that so much because it's like these these two characters, um, typically other T V shows would have them like set up to be star crossed lovers or yep. people who who think the same way and all this stuff and it's like, no, that's not what draws them together. They're the the events that they've experienced and their shared experience and that they really are the only ones who can understand each other mm-hmm. is one thing, but then to also come have a shared understanding but very different perceptions of the world and yeah. of who they are. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh, that's a very good point, uh, and. And it's very interesting too. It's uh, you know talking about how each other's powers manifest themselves. It's almost like Tyrone's powers are there to. It's, it is a cloak of cloak of protection around mm-hmm. Tandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we've seen it. We saw it last week where she was going into you know, trying to break into that cell wherever they had her father and. You know, he was basically that cloak that, like, you know, wrapped himself around her, just like, no, don't do this, don't, don't, you know, don't jump over that ledge. Uh, but also, it's interesting with Pandy's powers. Even though she's a very cynical, it, it, by nature, uh, individual, uh, whenever she has her visions, they're always very hopeful. You know, when she, when her mother and and Greg are are to, it, together. Uh, you know, at first she was just like, this guy's just, you know, he's crap, he's, he's worthless, and, you know, he's just, he's just with you because, you know, he thinks you got a great ass and that kind of stuff. And, you know, but, but whenever she touched Greg and saw visions in the future and, and with other visions that she's had with other characters like Liam and others, it's always a very hopeful, you know, the, the best about, uh, about the people that she's dealing with at that moment. And so I think it's again that duality and that yin and yang, as you were saying, that you know these characters have that you know that light versus dark. The thing is, even though you know Tyrone is dark place, to me it seems that Tandy's actually the, the you know the spider visions. She's actually in, in normal day to day interactions the, the dark one, and, and Tyrone's in the good place, as, as Tandy pointed out. You know, you got this great house and you got this great life and everything. And then, but it opens up the door to this, this real strong and, you know, right on the point discussion about privilege and race and class and, 
And, you know, Tyrone's like, well, you know, you can't, you know, well, it looks like all that, but I have a great life and all that stuff. But I'm a black kid in New Orleans who can, you know, yeah. cops see me as, as a thug. You know, and, and Tyrone's vision is, you know, she is, you know, white female. He's like ballet lessons and, you know, not really knowing all her you know, life as far as um, what's transpired since her father's death. And, you know, it does, this is, like you said, this series is great about setting, taking what you think would be the usual construct with star-crossed lovers and they're going to get and have a, uh, you know, happy, happy storyline as far as them discovering their love for each other and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's really not unfolding that way. They, you know, as they both said, one person thinks the universe is pulling them together. The other person is like, wait a minute, no, no, everything's pulling us apart. Yeah, that, the, the privilege conversation is brilliant yeah. um, on, on a lot of different levels and for a lot of different reasons, um, which, which we knew was coming mm-hmm. because I may have spoiled it. But <laughs> right, and and I think even though I kind of we we kind of knew it was coming, it's still some of the stuff that they said and was brought up um, surprised me because it wasn't even a straightforward conversation about privilege where they brought up some other stuff that that stood out to me at least where where privilege has a lot of different degrees Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different factors involved with it and not everything is face value. And, and like when Tammy brought up the two parents thing, um, I had never thought about that before, but Tyrone and the police department, that was a really good edited scene. And I love the sound design. Just gonna go there. Yeah, tell me, tell us more what you thought about the sound design there. I mean, I know like last week we had the, you know, with Tandy with the concussion, you had the ringing in the background and stuff. Right. Well, the the sound design in this this episode that stood out is Tyrone, obviously, in the police station, but he has so much anxiety going there, Mm -hmm. um, which is explained with his conversation. Um, to Tandy about all the reasons why he can't just go call out Detective O'Reilly and have a conversation with him. And so Tandy convinces him to construct this narrative. And, you know, it's the only way you got to you got to play your cards right and you got to be strategic. So he tries it. But he gets into the police station and and he meets the cop and sits down and the cop goes to get paperwork and it's given him the opportunity to look around at where he is and all he sees is white. Yeah. And then you, they, they were very smart to, to use a sound design to kind of mirror the anxiety that's occurring internally. And that kind of blurriness kind of like I'm, I shouldn't be here, concern, fear, whatever you may call it. Um, but, but they kind of just made all of the voices get, get louder, but you also couldn't understand anything that was being said. So there was, it was very, um, and I keep using this word tonight. I'm sorry, but disorienting. It was. And, yeah. and then he gets up and leaves. Yeah. So, yeah. It was disorienting. It was a very, very powerful, powerful scene. Whenever I watched it the first time, I could really, you know, you could really identify with 
the anxiety that he was feeling. I mean, he was already not sure about this as well, but then, but whenever he first encountered the the the, the, the desk officer there who was the checking him in, he 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 his anxiety and his not believing that it, it so like overwhelming that he knew it wasn't going to work out. But it, but at the end of the of the show uh, when he when he did. Uh, go back and, and, and follow through and carry out what he and Tandy had come up with. It, it was much stronger. He definitely had the, uh, the confidence and the believability that, you know, I can do this and this is going to work as far as changing, changing the narrative, which again is a good carry forward from the, you know, the message that they, they laid out last week as far as, um, creating that new narrative, creating that new story. Don't do the same thing over and over again. If you want to, you know, if you want to change the outcome, which is, which I like about what they're doing with the show. They're not just dropping these lines of, of dialogue just to just put out there for, you know, you know, for like great power comes great responsibility, blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of cliched. They're carrying it forward and showing how these characters are, are trying to change the narrative and change the story. Unfortunately, you know, and in Tyrone's case, yeah, he had the epic fail the first time because of like, as you laid out with anxiety uh, of being able to call out Detective O'Reilly in this police station and all the fears and anxieties and everything bore out. But he, you know, but at the end, by the end of the episode, he turned around. Tandy, um, and I want to, you know, want to go back to the scene in the church. Him kicked, the, you know, in the right direction, but for her, there was that very dark and a very, you know, deep conversation uh, about suicide. Yeah. Can um, we can we talk about one other thing yeah. before we get into that part of the conversation? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just. Because we we focus so much on Tyrone going to the police or talking about how Tyrone went to the police station. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important thing at the end of how he goes back and he does ask to talk to Detective O'Reilly yeah. because he's finally worked up that courage, um, especially after all of Tandy's like, no, you got to do this. You got to. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, you're also experiencing Tyrone telling Tandy you have to start letting people in like yeah. not everybody's a liar not everybody's out to get something or take something away from you mm-hmm. um and so you just you got to stop running and confront yeah and start sticking around and seeing it through and that leads into this whole relationship with with Greg Greg mm-hmm. becomes a very important character who dies who dies yes <laughs> <laughs> And, and man, that, that, this is like Tandy, like, you know why she doesn't have hope in this episode. Like, you totally get it because she's very cynical and critical of the whole situation between Greg and her mom. And then she starts, she, she realizes that Greg is a good guy Mm because she used her power. Mm -hmm. And then in a a snap of the fingers, everything is gone like yeah. all of that hope and between her mother breaking up with greg to her going to his his office and which 
is mirroring what happened when Tyrone was in her subconscious. Yep. Like yep. her standing on the outside watching this man, potential father figure, be taken away from her by Roxanne. Yep. Again. Like, yeah. again. Like history for Tandy just does keep repeating itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she, through this, she is able to finally start to realize that she does have a weapon on her that she hasn't been using and she can draw upon. And that is her dagger, her mm-hmm. dagger of light mm-hmm. that she needs to hold on to to help her solve what happened to her dad or get justice for her dad. And I love that moment. Like, there's so many great mother-daughter moments yeah. in this episode where you realize that the mom comes came off as very cliche for me early on in the season. But but like that realization that her mom isn't just trying to win this case for the money. Like her mom is trying to get justice for what happened to her dad because yep. she like Tandy knows that he was wronged. Mm-hmm. Their whole family was wronged in this. And it just isn't about the money or the house or any of that materialistic thing. It's just a reputation. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Uh, I'm glad we brought up, uh, up Greg um, again because... R.I.P. Greg. R.I.P. Greg, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's uh, you, you, you really nailed it on the fact that uh, Tandy... Uh, is there is a, a, a just a basis for her being so cynical because every moment she was young, which we, when we were first introduced to her as a young ballerina, uh, and you know, the cynical, you know, not being able to depend on her mother when we first were introduced to her, and uh, then also her father, and then everyone being out for themselves, even though this Liam kid, I don't know. He, he, you know, he just kind of disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, that was the, as far as people in her lives, that's like the only one who so far hasn't been like always working the angle to let her down. But this great, but getting back to Greg, just when things are, like you said, getting that, oh, this guy is genuinely does, isn't my mother. You know, there, there was a scene where, you know, uh, Greg's current wife calls and, you know, this kind of, you know, blows up the good mood that was sort of, sort of started to permeate right. Andy and her mom and, and, and Greg and dang, and, you know, once again, narrative that we were stuck in, you know, this is not going to work that, you know, it's coming to a head. But then, you know, Greg, on the other hand, is like, no, no, I, we're going to make this work. But, of course, Tandy's mother now is like, no, Tandy was right. It's just another guy who's just about to get some, and then he's just going to move on. Um, yeah. So, you know, so when that moment happens when he is he's murdered by the, by the uh, ex, well, it's the Exxon, but Roxanne, um, <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne uh, assassin, uh, was a very jarring and unpredictable moment that, you know, when I, when that happened, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm never going to trust anybody to bring uh, water into the office. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it could be gasoline. <laughs> it could, but it was, um, but again, it just reinforces why Tandy is the way she is. Uh, cause it just, there's, there's no silver lining. And, uh, but, but, but Greg did to change. Yeah. She is starting to change. And she realized 
there is uh, there is, maybe there is a little bit of a silver lining because Greg was indeed working on this Roxanne case to help her family get justice for the justice for her father. Mm-hmm. And good thing she is a very observant person and saw those files in the safe and knew where to get them. Greg is the perfect uh, get us these files so that uh, hopefully we can get, you know, I guess there's no villain of the week, but clearly the, the villain in the story so far has been Roxanne for, for Tandy and, and O'Reilly for Tyrone. And will they, you know, are there all these two villains intertwined somehow? Yeah. I um I also like how talk about unpredictable because you think like that that would be the end of the episode, but no, there's still a little bit more. Yeah. And because her first reaction is not to grab the files. No. Her first her the that scene when she goes back to the house and she overhears her mom leaving the sixth voicemail for mm-hmm. Greg. Mm-hmm apologizing like we we spent a lot of time talking about tandy's hope but her mom is so much like her all grown up like there's this woman involved in this whole mess that keeps also putting all her cards in the on the table and then roxton just changes the game Mm -hmm. changes the rules and she doesn't even realize that and then for tandy like what is tandy supposed to do like uh, hey, mom. So Greg's dead. <laughs> He's not returning your phone call. No, Tandy does the only thing she can think of about doing right now, especially because of the conversation with Tyrone. And she's like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cash in. I'm done with this. This is never going to work out for me. So I'm going to do the one thing I've been too scared to do for a while now. And she legitimately goes and tries to kill herself. Yeah. And and it's just it reminds me so much about the Hulk. I don't know why, uh. but this idea that that like Bruce Banner in the Avengers movies is always talking about how he try has tried to kill himself. Yep, it and is. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. He doesn't yep. die. Yep. And in this moment, Tandy's power um, is what saved her, and mm-hmm. this realization that she is so much stronger than the situation she's been put in. Yeah. And and this is going to guide her to get the vengeance that she needs for her family. Mm-hmm. So so I thought that was very poetic. But I mean, to talk about the the suicide, I think that's a very unex, another unexpected turn in that conversation. I did not see that coming. However, it made sense. All of their conversation. The more we talk about it, the more I. It's just so true that. The entire conversation was telegraphed in last week's episode through the visions Mm -hmm. because everything was kind of point out and just been like, yeah, this is what you think about. I mean, we we knew that Tandy's interpretation of that night was that she was wanted to be the one who died while Tyrone just wanted his brother to live. It's a very different perspective. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And. It's a different perspective, and you know, and it was very telling where Tyrone was starting to lecture her about suicide, and you know, and she just just drops a bomb on him. It's like, dude, don't even. I mean, you're you've like committed suicide by cop, and so many, you know, so many times uh, when she saw his vision, you know, her in her vision as far as what Tyrone 
Um, so even though he was trying to be, you know, calling out her, quote unquote, being selfish or whatever, she was, you know, putting the mirror back to him and, and showing him how, you know, he was just also doing the same thing. Um, yep. And the path that he was on was going to basically lead him to his own demise as well. Exactly. Yep. Very interesting. Very interesting. They're like magnets. They are. In an inverse way. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked a lot about Tandy and her mom, but on the opposite side, because this, we're talking cloak and dagger, so there's always an opposite. Uh, you have Tyrone and his dad. Yeah. And Spy Boy and the cloak. Yes. Yes, the cloak. We finally... That was... I. I Whenever that scene was sort of unfolding, that, Otis being the uh, previous Spy Boy and going into the... Uh, what was it? The Wild Rail Hawks? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and basically having to... Uh, you know, prove himself again to his community. Uh, a good way of showing sort of the an, another layer of privilege. Right. Uh, because they were in a, you know, basically clearly, you know, Otis has, has moved on and moved out and, and he goes back to, you know, back to his roots and, you know, the folks there were like, dude, what are you doing here? So say, no, look, I, I'm still one of you. Even though I may be over here on this other side of, you know, the other, other ward, quote unquote, made it. So you had, you had that dynamic going. Uh, it, it was a good moment to show the depth of, of Tyrone and, and Otis, his father's relationship as well. Um, especially when he called him out with the, the bolt cutters. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, they've touched on, the, the quote-unquote overprotective nature of the parents. Tyrone's all they have left now. And and they again, they start off with that, and you're just sort of like, oh, they're going to go down this, this route again. But no, no, Tyrone to, to this place, and he learns about Spy Boy. And we learn that you know, going through the culture and the, and the beads, and as far as explaining the beadwork and how to control it and how... You know, one mistake can just undermine weeks worth of work. And then just, you know, the line about, you know, all the, in the other room is where all the stuff that's been messed up goes. And right. it was a big, you know, that, and, and it was a good moment again, as far as just showing, you know, this relationship with Tandy and Tyrone, as far as you know, that you know, they, they are quote unquote, the rejects. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, but when he goes back there and the cloak, he sees that cloak and it's calling to him. And then, you know, just a powerful moment there where they realized that it was Billy's cloak as he was training to be the potential you know, new spy boy. Right. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just so well done. Um, and so powerful in that moment because, you know, I think it, it, it calls Otis and Tyrone to, to, to again, to come to grips with, with Billy's death. It's a different, it's a different yeah. form of atonement. 
Yeah. Like, he's... We, we've seen Tyrone now for a few episodes kind of clearly be a martyr for his brother's death and just deliberately not allow anything good to happen. But he and his father taking him to this place with a lot of cultural history for his family and his brother and this legacy and him realizing that there's another way to do this. There's yeah. another way to uphold my promise to my brother and my family and make them proud while at the same time not committing death by cop, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or or like just, just another form of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. The line that stood out to me in the description about the beadwork was that every year is a new costume Mm -hmm. and, and because every year you're a different person. And I think that's such a good line to put out there, especially for a teenage drama. Yeah. Um, because that's part of growing up, realizing that you're always going to be changing. Your experiences change. And there's so much change occurring within this episode alone with cool. these two characters. Yeah. That um, I think it was a very pivotal moment. But, yeah, it's, it's just keep with the unexpected writing. The plot. Yeah. Because I didn't know. Yeah, please do, please do. I mean, it, it's so. I was, I was um, actually ch- after the episode aired Thursday, I was chatting with someone on Twitter about it, and they were, they actually were praising the series for that very reason. It's just like one, they were one, they were like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me it was on. But two, they were just talking about what made them enjoy it so much, is the unpredictable nature of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, until next time. <laughs> Hopefully we'll learn more about Roxong. Yeah. Roxong? All right. So, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. That's why I'm so tired. I got sucked in and like did a marathon of Cobra Kai. <laughs> because it's brilliant, and it you is. should have done the marathon a long time ago. I know. I know. It's so such your kind of cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is funny, so which is funny because I've told you before I was not a big fan of the, of the Karate Kid movies growing up, but uh, fun, nostalgic. nostalgic ride that you know now I'm sort now I am going to go back and actually watch the first Karate Kid again because it has that effect. Yeah, yeah, it I just changes be, the way you're going to watch that movie. <laughs> it does. It really, really does. It changed how I feel about that. The, how about the about the movie? Because growing up, I I, I just was not a fan of Daniel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 thirty plus years later, I, my feelings have been confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so Cobra Kai. It's on YouTube Red. Strongly encourage anybody to sit down, watch it. It's short. It's sweet. And it does some really interesting stuff to a classic movie mm-hmm. and changes. The, and it, it was just so funny because I'm a 90s kid, so I grew up on 80s movies in a weird way. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's, it's just it's always this thing where, like, those movies were always, like, the childhood movies yep. to make the 90s kids watch. Yep. Um, but it, it covert karate kid wasn't really high on the list. I've, I've seen it multiple times, mm-hmm. but it's not like, Oh my God. It's not like the breakfast club. Okay. Let's just put it out there. No. Yeah. Well, what is the breakfast club? <laughs>
Yeah. yeah. Well, the breast—it's Breakfast Club, yeah. um, Goonies, um, a few others. So yeah. I like. I know we talked earlier in DMs today about uh, the parallels of the uh, story between um, Daniel and I guess uh, Johnny's John. son, and and then um, Miguel. Miguel. Yeah. So. Evolution of Miguel was very. I, I liked what they did there because. Oh yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah, because he, you know, he was the the you know the geek, the nerd who couldn't beat up all the time and stuff. And then, uh, I don't want spoiler alert. Um, he he has this moment in the cafeteria where you know so many things happens and happens in the school cafeteria, <laughs> uh, good and bad. But um, for for Miguel, who is uh, so spoiler alert, Johnny is for folks who who remember Karate Kid. Johnny Lawrence was the the classic bully, and I think William Zabka was like the bully in like every film from the eighties. So mm-hmm. uh, he is the, the character's you know, present day. Daniel LaRusco is a big, owns a bunch of um, car dealerships in in, in Southern California now. Johnny's just basically, you know, the jock gone loser. The big man on campus who now is the, you know, adult loser. He just barely keep hanging on the jobs and and stuff. Yeah, so he ends up uh, helping this kid out. And starts his own karate dojo. Yeah, and 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 the growth of the dojo and, and Miguel, who's the kid that Johnny helps out, and what happens at the end of season one, and, and Johnny's reaction to it, where he has that realization, I think, is what's so what's so critical um, to me as far as what what made the series uh, work. Oh no, it's it's like a Johnny Lawrence redemption story yeah. and why it why it really helps is because then you have these two kids, Robbie and Miguel, who who naturally should be like there's a lot of crisscross occurring mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. where the apprentice for Johnny should actually be the apprentice for um now I'm forgetting his name. Daniel Daniel yeah and then vice versa and the fact that well under these circumstances they ended up with the the apprentices that they did get this builds this complicated web yes. where they both realize they both have this these realizations that they they may not have been so much of the hero or they may not be the right person to to influence these young minds that can have a really long lasting effect on somebody's future Mm -hmm. and somebody's moral code and who they become like teenage years. You're, you're still figuring out who you are in the world and to be heavily influenced negatively or positively determines um, future outcomes. And, and I love that. I love that realization I love his his kind of regret over it, mm-hmm. but he also did get what he wanted. Yeah, and he, then he comes face to face with his old 
master. Yeah. And and that's that's up season two, and immediately you're like, why can't I have season two right now? Exactly. Because I need to know what happens. <laughs> I need to know what happens. Yes, 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 totally. <laughs> and and so another part about this that is kind of unsuspect, unexpected, is that you have Daniel's son's daughter mm-hmm. who plays a very integral role. But she, um, because times have changed, does not play the same girl character um, as in the original movie. Like, no. at the end of the day, she, they, they hinted at it that she could be in that tournament this time next season. Yeah, oh, yeah, it, it's, it's on. I mean, she's on, yeah, she and Miguel are going to be quite facing off at the end of that tournament. Which is, which is great, yeah. because that's something that never occurred to me. In that movie, the lack of female, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love that that thing that Johnny ends up doing, where he's just like, uh, "Women can't do karate,", karate yeah. <laughs> and then they go back and forth, yep. and and she becomes like one of her his favorite people. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but I yeah, I think like. There, there's like we. I was telling you, this is this is nostalgia totally. based, like yeah. so much nostalgia. But they also put just enough modern day parallels mm-hmm. to make it work yeah. for anyone. It does work. It it completely does. Uh, it, it, I guess it's, it's just a part of the good storytelling, and I guess um, it it speaks to first how how strong the original Karate Kid movie was to begin with that and but two it also plays on uh, the, 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 the wave of nostalgia that we've seen in, in recent times with things like Ready Player One and other other reboots of shows from the 80s Stranger like Things Stranger Things um, yeah or straight yeah Stranger Things definitely uh, or straight up reboots of 80s shows like Dynasty and others um, mm-hmm. um Partly because, you know, people who watch this stuff are now the people who produce all these shows. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but like you were saying, as you as a 90s kid, you, you grew up watching these 80s films and, you know, there's a market for it. And, uh, and when, it, and when you have, uh, a well done, uh, you know, this is not a reboot. This is just a continuation. And oh. when you have a strong continuation, it, um, yeah, it, it, it works very well. Yeah, yeah, you know why the actors came back and mm-hmm. that hopefully there will be future cameos and future realizations that just continue this legacy the right way. Yeah, so this is a definitely a, a summer TV binge recommendation that... Uh, it's a breeze. Yeah, it's a breeze. You can knock it out in a very, in a very short order, and um, um, definitely recommend it. Yeah. So, Will, that's it for us tonight. Can yep. you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me when I'm more coherent at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me less coherent on Twitter at SJ Belmont at S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. And please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify. 
We will be taking a break of our normally scheduled recordings, but we um, do have a very, very, very special recording that will be dropped the week of 4th of July, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and on that note, I say to you all, good night, geek out, you're welcome.